Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Warning, this podcast will contain spoilers about the series Hunted Australia. It'll contain some strong language and at some point may even contain a dog. Hide and Seek is a childhood classic game played by children all around the globe. But how about when they become grown-ups? Could they leave behind the lives they built and stay hidden in order to win a cash prize, evading capture from their country's elite team of hunters? My name's Craig. And I'm Nat. In 2022, we discovered the UK version of Hunted and became obsessed. We've since found out about Hunted all around the globe. And for this series of the podcast, we're going down under to talk all things Hunted Australia. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. I've just received information that we have 18 fugitives in two vehicles headed towards the Melbourne area. Copy, check. Fido Delta will review the footage and stand by. You've got to trust your instincts. I know you thought you were trusting them today. Uh, Maybe think... you were. We don't know if they came. That's just it. We don't. The thing that scares me the most about going on the run is paranoia. Just that whole unknown element of will we be hunted today? Surveillance in Australia, I just feel like everyone's being watched. If I can't outsmart the hunters, then how am I supposed to do my own job? It's almost conflicting to normally be the good guy. You're the bad cop now. Yeah, so you still have to win. Why not my help? I mean, that's an option. That's a rookie error. Like, only because it's the first night, they'll be thinking, well, who are they going to reach out to first? I quite honestly don't think it's going to be an issue tonight. That's the access point right there for vehicles. So if we're going to deploy a sentry camera on that, we want to have it in a position that can cover the driveway and on foot straight out the front door. All right, Delta team, what I need is you to put a camera up so we can see all access points, keep them under surveillance, do not get compromised. Is there anyone in the car? Oh, look, they might be leading down. We're going to lose Jackie in a minute. Is that Jackie? That's Jackie. Jackie! Oh! Hunters. So it's time to get your capture pants on and run away from the hunters. It's not the hunters I'd worry about, it's the 
400,000 crocodiles and 140 species of land snakes. It's okay. No snakes or crocodiles are going to get you here. We're still in the UK. Jordan might though. Good point. Welcome to the Hunted Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Hunter Podcast. I don't know what day it is, I don't know what time it is, I'm all over the place, but one thing I can tell you is that we, by the power of the internet, by the power of technology, are not alone today, are we? Nope, we're not. We are crossing over to the other side of the world. <gasps> I know. To speak to two Australian fugitives. One made it to the plane, one kissed the concrete. <laughs> it's Staffy and Matt. How are you doing, guys? Or should that be? And yes, I am going to do it, so I apologise already. Good day, Good day. How are you both doing? Really oh, good, really thank good. you. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff you were we trying to say that you were practicing a British accent. Lesson, so we're cheaters. We can speak British now. We're like from Liverpool. <laughs> that's. I think that's quite good. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> no. I mean, I know we're here to talk hunter, but I sort of just want to talk Ted Lasso now. <laughs> <laughs> as long as our other favourite show. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, right, well, we've got lots of questions for you guys. Obviously, you know, Staffy, you made it to play. Matt, you crisped the concrete. We've just finished watching. Last week, we had our episode nine review, mm-hmm. so we've watched it. We've fully caught up. But for for you guys, I think you were telling us before, um, Staffy, is it over a year ago since you uh, made it to the plane? It feels like 21 years. Yeah, I think it's about 14 months. <laughs> wow um, it's only been on UK, the UK Channel 4 app for about a month or yeah. so. although a lot of people had seen it before it was just one of those things which took ages to, to come over Matt what about you with it being sort of so long um, have, obviously now you've picked up on the Hunter podcast you've had a little listen has it brought back some uh, some memories have you needed to go into counselling or anything <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I think uh, I, I was listening to your latest episode today with the, uh, the the reviews of my kissing the concrete, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely brought back some PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> what an experience, though, it must have been. I'm sure we're going to rake up lots of memories over the next half an hour or so. Um, Staffy, obviously, we've been messaging for a while on Instagram. You've been following our account and everything, and you've been sort of like, yeah, we'll come on, we'll come on. One thing you did say to me originally was that you two um, were actually weren't supposed to be on the show at first. Just tell us a little bit more about that. I guess like like every plan and people don't remember that we, we feel in the pandemic, like we were in between just leaving a lockdown. So understandably, they they had to plan for that and part of planning is having that's where Matt and I came into it. We found out at the 11th hour that we were in. So when all these socials that are um, spirit 
conspirating? Is that is that a thing, Matt? <laughs> they were saying that, oh, it's rigged. They just want the gay guys to progress. They want the gay guys to win. It's all because of his sobs story and his narrative about wanting to have kids. It's like, we weren't even meant to be on the show. There goes that theory. <laughs> Everyone has a Make any sense to you, Matt, or did it get, did it get really glitchy? Well, I don't know what happened there, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Technical problems all, all the way through. We, we, I think we're all right, I think we're all good. Uh, Matt, obviously, Staffy was just saying there about being a reserve at the start. At what point did you know then that you'd get the call to, um, to go from the subs bench, as it were, Ted Lasso reference for you maybe, <laughs> uh, to uh, the playing field? Well, yeah, I think we only had maybe about, it was only a couple of weeks, I think, before, like, between finding out that we were going to be on and uh, actually being on. So, um, yeah, we had a very short um, period of time to, I guess, worry <laughs> um, and and strategize and, and think about all the, you know, different approaches that we can take and, and you know, who we might be able to rely on while we're on the run. So, um, yeah, it's it was literally, I think, what, two or three weeks. Did you originally apply as a pair? We thought that they had given every notice. That was a strategy as a way of having people prepare minimally for the... And we found out people had three, four months' notice and we were like, oh, this is actually, we were legitimately the, the back then. And then being... <laughs> the the token gay guys and ones out. I only applied for about a, a week of leave from work. So go there, do our deal when we got out of the van. And we had an outfit under an outfit, really um, nice, nice uh, moment where we basically could have been with horse drag race. But no, we continued. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you originally apply to go on together or did one of you apply and bring the other one along it's kind of like there's a third option here <laughs> neither of those <laughs> neither of those okay I, I had a work colleague who um, had messaged me one night at like 11pm and she was like there's this adult hide-and-seek thing being advertised and you absolutely have to do it. And I was like, adult hide-and-seek? I'm like, Murder in the Dark was my favourite game, but this was definitely second favourite as a kid. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, um, I, I started, Matt joined, and before you, yeah, next thing you knew, we were being interviewed and progressing. Did you ever play Murder in the Dark when you were a kid? I played hide-and-seek. I don't think I've ever heard of Murder in the Dark. No. Yeah, no. Is that like Wink Murder? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, probably is. We turn off all the lights and you've got to go go around and tap the people and name them. 
No, I've never heard of that. <laughs> maybe it's an maybe it's an Aussie game. <laughs> I don't think we ever played that. We played Wink Murder. Or, yeah. Or no, it's not. It's not the same as Wink Murder. Not the same, different. right? No, I've never yeah. played it then. We're gonna have to do some research. Yeah. Aren't we? Yeah. yeah. TV show, did they allow you to tell them why, or did you just have to ask for leave? I, th- I think, like everything else, I'm a fugitive on the run. <laughs> <laughs> I need to take some time off. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine telling my work that. I think my work is quite light. My... It would. I don't think it'd work well in a legal environment. I'm off to be a fugitive. Bye. It would be quite funny. Uh, what, what Yeah, one of the strategies was to avoid 
avoid technology and go all one. We basically wrote up a snail trail envelope in an envelope in an envelope in an envelope in an envelope that got distributed to about eight people that we could rely on. And that was all done in person. So given to person number one, told open it, read it, distribute to person number two. So nothing was digitized. The first envelope had a USB with fake photos of us scattered across the state. And their instruction was to open up a fake social and upload photos of us every day in different locations. Um, everyone had codified versions of our names that were consistent. So if the hunters truly knew imitating us, they wasn't us and it was the hunters because if someone called them today and said, hey, it's Starthy, it was actually Starthy Starthy on a Monday. It was Dickhead on a Wednesday. It was Stephen Starthy on a Thursday. <laughs> Everything was codified so that we could make the most of technology and traditional methods of comms, exploiting technology which is where Matt came into the picture and did a little bit of uh, <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about that then, Matt. We can't leave that itch unscratched. So we, we had these, um, we created uh, while we were on the run a QR code um, that we printed out on some stickers um, that had our faces um, and that we asked, you know, helpers along the way we'd give them a sticker and say, hey, can you go stick it up somewhere maybe after we've left or if you're going somewhere else in the other direction, um, can you stick up a sticker? So then if the hunters are kind of looking around for us and they find this sticker and it was sort of a bit of a taunt, I guess, you know, ha-ha, you missed us <laughs> um, and you're not going to catch us type thing. I like that though because, yeah. that's, again, that's, we didn't see that. No. It didn't come out in the show, which is which is really interesting. But I love that methodology of thinking, right, I'm going to send a chain letter, old-fashioned, love it, because love also it. it's so hard to trace. Yeah. But also that little thing of trying to leave little clues and try and throw people off where, where they are. Yeah. How did that idea come about? Had you seen the UK version prior, or were you just thinking, right, I've got to go into full fugitive mode, and what would I do if I now had to hide? We had, I think, the most recent we, we had, yeah, yeah. You go, Matt. <laughs> we, yeah, we'd seen, we'd seen um, a couple of seasons um, of the UK version um, before we kind of found out that we were going to be on the show. Um, and I guess, you know, you were kind of, you would see those seasons and say, oh, okay, that kind of works or that doesn't work or that's how they got caught. Um, I think, like, it, it was good to kind of see how how it all kind of worked and, and what kind of things could give you away. Um, I think one of the downsides maybe the, the last season we watched, I think, I can't remember if it was season three or which season it was, but there was, it was a season with a clean sweep. Yeah. <laughs> the one the one in the car park where the extraction point was like in, at the top of the car park. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think <laughs> seeing that as one of the last episodes before we um, <laughs> embarked on our adventure was not not too settling. <laughs> ah, no, it's, it's very interesting that scene. Yeah, down, down the beach, that is all I could think about. They have people <laughs> just before the extraction 
And then the closer I got to the, it got worse because then I, and I was like, that's it. They've got a winner. Now they're just in the end. And this is amazing television. So I'm bolting down and I was speaking in like, I remember running and being like, out of you, but like, just keep going. It was like, yeah, nonsensical. But when I saw Rob, I was like, oh, they are going to catch me just before the end. I'm going to be that dude running up the car park. What a great moment. Just, I could see them in the just like expecting that tell. I was just bolting. Nah, not I feel like we should then, so I imagine that thought stays with you quite a bit yeah. about what could have happened if in the book. So I'm going to alleviate that thought process for you now. I'm going, to, I'm going to let you sleep easier at night and let you know. We actually interviewed um, Harry. So it was Harry and Frank Savage. Yeah. They were two brothers um, who were in season three in the, the Birmingham Extraction. We interviewed Harry probably about eight months or so ago now, just when we first started watching and doing the podcast. And he actually let us into a little secret, which is out there now, it sits on the podcast. And that is that actually the chopper at Birmingham didn't actually arrive on time. Uh, therefore, his brother actually did win. So that scene where you see him running up um, the car park is actually shot afterwards. Um in retrospect, because they needed to get it again. So we did get captured, um, but the when he got captured the first time around, when he got shot the first time around, there was no helicopter at all. It wasn't there. It was they couldn't get permission for it to land. So Birmingham, the city where it was, the ball ring, it's um, one of the big, I think it's like the second biggest city yeah, in it's the ma UK. Yeah, it's massive. It's centralised, so it's really difficult to get permission for planes to land. So it actually wasn't on time, it wasn't the extraction time, so um, yeah, he actually technically was a winner, so that whole thing of being captured just before the, the plane, but yeah, that, but that did, easy. But that did happen. Yeah. It happened, so we have a celebrity series as well over here, um, yeah. and our latest celebrity series has just been on, and their extraction was, I think it was something like a, a warp, an old war plane in an airfield, and the last celebrity left was seconds away from the plane and four hunters got him before he was able to get on the plane. Well that is because the hunters didn't know where they did yeah. figure out. Yeah, they, the they knew they knew where extraction was. They'd caught two people something like two or three hours before extraction and one had let slip by accident that it was a plane. Um, oh, no. so they they worked out where extraction was and unluckily um, they caught him just before he got on the plane. That's a good point, then, because one, obviously, like with us, so our little background, a little bit. We've not actually watched Hunter since it first aired in the UK. We actually only started watching it a year ago. Um, we've heard about it, and then we saw it on Gogglebox and another TV show we've got over here. And was that there was something which happened, which we went to a football stadium. And I want to know <laughs> why on earth did you choose to go to that football stadium? It's it's a long story, but. We ended up watching it, we ended up really liking it and talked about it all the time, so we decided to do this podcast and um, it was just one of those things where like, we've, we've watched it in such a condensed amount of time, we've just sort of got it still sat in our brain and yeah. <laughs> didn't think about those little things and, and things like that and we always spoke about like what we do and that whole 
the different captures and different ways of capturing people and the, the methods that people do, we're still fascinated by uh, now. But there is one thing which I know we're sort of jumping ahead a little bit to. We wanted to watch the Australian version to compare it with the UK version. We're going to do that in next week's podcast. We're probably going to delve into it and everything. Um, but one thing that they don't show as much of, in fact, pretty much at all in the UK mm. version, is after someone's been captured, they're rooting through their bags, their belongings to get notes and stuff, which brings me nicely back to that whole extraction point thing. So, Matt, you were caught with, what, just over 24 hours to go. Um, yeah. Obviously, Staffy, you'd seen it and bolted it out into the bushes and things like that, which is great, and managed to get away. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, Matt, you would have had your possessions with you, and your possessions were search. Was there ever a fear that the hunters may have got more details of what you wanted them to get? I think there was, um, but it's, I mean, obviously, you know, you carry an address book and, and things like that with you, so you've got contact details for people um, that, you know, you might need to reach out to while you're on the run. Um, but I think by that stage of the game, we were so um, tired and just like you kind of you, you start with a bit of an idea of all right this is what we're going to do this is how it's going to go and then as you progress a day or two in it's like actually i don't know if this is going to work and so you start to just you know you're not sure where you're going to go the next day or what you're going to do so especially by the time you know day 18 or day 19 comes along um and i'm getting caught it's, it's like I actually had no idea where Starfy was going to go um, over the next day or two um, because I didn't even, like, I didn't know where we were going to go. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, while, while I was kind of maybe worried that they might find a contact or something, it, it's, yeah, I think by that stage in the game, we'd probably used a lot of the contacts that we thought we would use. Um, and that it would really just come down to maybe some random help, um, yeah. you know, because we did manage to get that along the way as well. So, um, yeah, I was just kind of crossing my fingers and hoping for the best. And a lot, of, a lot of our mornings, we would wake up and, what are we doing today? And I'm like, I don't know, what are we doing today? And he's like, where should we go? And I'm like, I don't know. We had no idea where we were going in 10 minutes, inadvertently. Like, that ended up being a great strategy because if we had been 10 minutes, how the fuck are the hunters going to know? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was our morning this morning. So, <laughs> I feel like that's all this morning. A little picture behind the curtain for you, obviously, you know, like we mentioned at the top of the episode, Safi and Matt are both in Australia, we're obviously in the UK, so there's a massive, massive time difference. And I tried to work it out and I tried to, like, it for 10 hours 10 a.m. <laughs> on Sunday morning. Well, I did my maths wrong and I was an hour two, I was an hour ahead. So it got to sort of nine o'clock and we had a message from Saki and Matt saying, Yeah, hi guys, we're waiting in your waiting room. Like, yeah, I'm just in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> so planning's not our, uh, our forte, is it? Yeah. But nah. planning for these two moments. That's a completely yeah. different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Nobody needs to see that. No matter what time of day it is. Absolutely nobody wants to see that. Shall we decoy that for the, uh, the hunt? Yeah. Well done. Um, so, we saw early on that you both used a decoy because obviously 
on your version, you get um, you got a card and you got money, and that's not something that we see on our version. I think the first year they maybe got a little bit of money, but every other year they've had to use their own money. Whereas you guys were given a card with some money on and some cash, and we saw early on that you used a decoy when it came to the card. Had you planned all along to use a decoy with the card, and had you planned to do it that early? That's one thing we did yes. think about and discuss. <laughs> we had to use an FPOS card or ATM card or bank card. Mm. You'll disclose. So user location is known, so you're not disclosed. Oh, I've just lost him. I'm sure nope. he'll... I'm sure he might pop back in at some point. I'm sorry. There he is, David. Uh, we'll let him back in. Let him back in. There, there he is. <laughs> Welcome back. Was, was that production shutting us down because we're saying too much? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe it's the cyber team hacking in saying, we're not, talk, we're not letting them talk about beating us out we were talking decoys, we were talking, I think you were just talking about um, bank card staffing before you just dropped out then. Yeah, so we, we, we knew if we were to ever use a bank card, a postcard, our location will be disclosed. So disclose a location already known. And the only location that was going to be known was the launch site. So the third, and we had spoken about it like three minutes before it, was find an ATM <laughs> and take out all the cash except for $5. That way, the only location they know of is where they were dropped off. Then keep $5 on it. Then we can use that as a decoy at some point throughout the 21 days. I like that. Smart strategy, that, isn't it? Because yeah. I think what Safi just said there is actually true. The only location that the hunter will ever know for sure is that drop point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a really good thing. Use it. I've always said, use it early. Get yep. your rules and stuff out of the way early, and then you're off, and you've got that little bit of pressure. Mm. Uh, speaking of rules, Matt, obviously we know there are rules in the game because it is a TV show. It can't just be off you go and, and run. Otherwise, people would literally get on a plane and you know hop to another country and disappear. <laughs> Basically, it's in the very first, very first <laughs> of the UK one. It was. It was. It wasn't a cash prize. It was a battle against the state, and there was a, a fugitive who literally disappeared for a good eight to ten days, yeah. and was only captured by chance getting up, getting off the train. So they had to put the rules in, especially when there's a cash prize. So, how much yes. rules did limit what you guys were initially thinking when you got that list of rules? You know, you must draw the hunters in. You must use a bank card at some point. You must do this, this, and this. How much of those rules did you find? Did you sit there and think, oh, that's so frustrating? <laughs> I think all of them at some point. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, it's like you say, um, we're, you know, it's, we're filming a TV show, so they want to keep it interesting because no one wants to, you know, watch a TV show with everyone just sitting in the bush in a tent for 21 days. Um, but I think it's, it made it a bit more challenging, and I guess that's part of the fun, right? Because yeah. um, it's like if you, if you can get the three weeks um, and know that you've evaded the hunters and you've done it with, you know, 
fulfilling all of these other little um, tasks along the way, um, then, you know, it makes that, that winning all that bit sweeter, I think. <laughs> which rule, Staffy, for you was the one which you would like, I think that's the, the rule which is most likely to get us captured? I loved all the rules because at the end of the day, what they're doing is creating interactions and knowing how different people respond to law enforcement. Like if you were to go and sit in the tent for 21 days, it actually isn't true routes, which are surveillance. And by going and meeting with in public, some people like I know, um, you guys have mentioned in the past about screaming, stop, 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 and they haven't touched them. But the screaming of stop, stop, stop psychologically has different impacts on different people from a law into person, and they legitimately stop. There's other people like Catherine, for example, when the on the door, she was like, oh, oh, some tea, I've made some lasagna. Do you like lasagna? Do you want parmesan with your lasagna? Like, <laughs> there are some people that would just shut the door and this will just complete, like, freeze deer in a headlight. And the rules that create all these um, scenarios, as you're interacting with different people, it actually creates a more accurate reflection of reality. I'm smiling because Nat has a massive being about it, about the, the shouting thing. She doesn't like it. She finds it no, frustrating. It's it's not. We just no, we discussed it on last week. It's not the stop. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I love how much it winds you up. It's it's the it's the you've been hunted because I know that from our chats with UK hunters, I know that. You haven't been hunted until it's hands-on. Yeah. So the shouting of you've been hunted. You've been hunted. Does that mean that the person start running slower? So if I were in yeah. law enforcement, I'd, I want to have at these guys. I fuck with their head psychologically and physically. I can catch them because I've got a reputation to maintain. I've been working for police, military or whatever for years i i actually i love the viewer you might think oh wait that doesn't make sense you have hunted yeah it doesn't make sense sense and, make it and this, this, yeah this this game is as much a mental game as it is a physical game yeah and so like everything from you know being isolated from your friends and family and having to rely on strangers and being in strange places and places you don't know, um, all the way through to being chased down the street at Chill Out Festival <laughs> and being yelled at to stop because I've been hunted. It's, it, it was like, and I mean, for me, it was just because I was so close to the end, I, I kept running because it's like, well, you're not going to get me now. <laughs> um, <laughs> But they got me. <laughs> and you know what? That wasn't the first time that's been chased down a gay festival and being told to stop. <laughs> Again, we'll leave that content for the OnlyFans, shall we? <laughs> I think that whole, like, shouting thing is, is one thing for you, which is you've always been like niggle you, and I'm always going to be against you, and I'm always going to put back it. Until the UK version comes out, yeah. Jordan does it, and I'm totally on your side. <laughs> Sorry, Jordan. 
little bit of, but if you obviously like you guys don't know who Jordan is properly. In the UK, we've got a ground hunter called uh, called Jordan. He's a lovely, lovely fella. But over the series, he's always been that hunter that always misses that always misses a fugitive. He always gets like he's always like one step behind and always like an hour late or whatever. So we always have sort of said it and we've always said the phrase "Sorry, Jordan." So much so that in the last celebrity series that was on, which was the first one we've ever done as it went out on TV at the time, all of the ground hunters, who are obviously all his mates and his colleagues, loved it. And they've all now got Sorry Jordan t-shirts, which we've had made. And we've got something really special coming out in, in soon before the next UK version, which is going to be hilarious. And we wouldn't do it if you didn't love it, but no. it's one of those things where, like... I love it. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Let's stay on psychology, psychology, no, psychology, that's the word. There we go. It's too early in the morning for me to be doing this. Let's stay on psychology for a minute. Obviously, a big part of your plan, Matt, was uh, to get the van and to sort of move on and go to the church and things like that. Now, on the screen, we know that it looks like they were only sort of like 10 minutes or so behind in reality, we know that they were more like half a day or even a day behind. But the fact that, or ahead, sorry, so you were behind them. But the fact that you were told that they've been there, we see on screen that it does have a massive impact on what you want to do because you plan to use the van for longer. How much of a psychological bomb was that for you when you got there and you said, yeah, they've been here? Did you just think, oh, right, well, now we've got to tear up everything that we've written down and planned and start something again or... How much it's, impact was it for you at that point? It's massive. Like, I think you, uh, you, I mean, you know, you start out in the first couple of days and you're like, oh, okay, let's just kind of get into a bit of a groove and plan what we're going to do and just kind of get into it. And then I think, you know, in the, in the second week, you, you, you know, um, when we got the van and we were kind of like, we were in a bit of a groove and we sort of felt like we knew what we were doing then um and feeling a bit more confident with things um you know knowing that we're probably you know at least a few teams probably would have been caught by that stage and that we were still in um but then yeah to arrive at the church and and to to know that that had happened um it was very unsettling (laughs) it was kind of like as soon as we found out we were kind of like we need to get out of here and and you know, it was kind of a, a friend of a friend's mum's um, place that we were at. So um, we were kind of like, can we even trust her? Like you start to get really paranoid and it's just like, as soon as we found out, we were basically like, all right, let's grab our bags and let's go. Like even if we can't get a lift, then we're leaving by foot. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You, we then, so we don't then actually see you guys a lot on the show for a while. Um, but we, from the small bits of you that we see, we know that you then go and, you go and camp and you walk a lot of places and you sort of, you're sleeping um, more in a tent. Um, did you, had you planned for that to be part of your time? Had you, had you pre-thought about sleeping in a tent? Yeah, I think one of the big things we were initially thinking was trying to get off the grid. Like that was a big strategy initially. And Matt and I are both outdoorsy. We we like going camping and um, not just because we've seen Brokeback Mountain. Oh, God, everyone's going to think we're a couple now, Matt. <laughs> no, that was a big part of our energy. And we use every couple of days to luxuriate so that you can maintain your, your sanity and your mental health. But um, we tried to work for money as well, so we worked at that farm that you saw and it was just really nice to get people who you've never known before take you on board let you work feed you give you wine like um yeah that wasn't part of our strategy we didn't expect that but it was great that it happened i find it quite interesting because i think in the uk like you would find a lot more reluctance to people helping you out and yeah. sort of giving you those jobs yes there, there would but i think the margins of Let's maybe say it's 70, 30 in favour of people doing it in Australia. I think in the UK it's probably 30, 70. There's mm. more people likely to say no than to say yes, which I find quite interesting. But we were talking that's, that's about... That's only because Matt and Sarthi aren't asking. Oh, uh, well, there you go. Obviously, Sarthi, one thing about um, you which I, I, I find hilarious and funny is the fact that you are a full-on ginger you embrace it how the bloody hell do you cope with being ginger in that heat when you're out days on end camping <laughs> i like it was i can't stand the heat i would not be able to cope with australia even when there's a slight bit of sunshine here that's been done for four days how did you manage it <laughs> well i am ginger but i'm also greek blooded and my best Best friend Matt had a family fanning me with. They did show the fans. That was actually one of my biggest disappointments. Matt and I had these little hand fans that were out, and one was a strawberry and one was a watermelon. So we just had these hand fans that were just fanning ourselves. <laughs> you do need those when you're a ginger, honestly. I, I don't think I could, uh, I could do it at all. It, oh. He's one of these rare people who's a ginger but also tans. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, that's true. You, you obviously dye your hair through ginger. Ginger's don't burn badly. No, we don't, but our freckles combine, so eventually it's just a collection of freckles and the illusion of hair. <laughs> just dot to dot with the freckles. Look, you tried to play that on me before, but you're not doing it. Not writing on me with a pen. Not happening. Uh, I tried to get back to Go on, then. I know. Uh, right, let's talk. See it there. <laughs> Obviously, towards the end, uh, when we pick up, a big part of your strategy uh, is the festival. First and foremost, whose idea was it to go to Chill Out Festival? Was it a combined thing or was it one of you who, Matt? So, Matt, I'm going to come to you. <laughs> why Chill Out Festival? What was it about that which you thought, I need to get this into my plan? 
So Chill Out Festival um, is actually something that Starty and I go, go to every year um, with our friends. And um, before we even knew we were going to be on the show, we kind of planned to go. Um, and I think there were a few different things. We, um, you know, you don't want to ever pass up an opportunity to dress up in drag. <laughs> um, and we thought that that would be a sort of a good idea to kind of evade the hunters if they were around, you know, um, completely changing our appearance. Um, but I think also, you know, looking at it from the psychology perspective, um, just knowing that we will be around you know, people we know, our community, I guess, um, all that kind of stuff, um, especially that late, um, you know, in, in the game. Um, it, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of a, a, a two-pronged approach <laughs> um, that we thought it would be a good idea to kind of, you know, um, camouflage ourselves. And obviously, you know, you're in a, a big festival, there's, I don't know, probably 10 or 15,000 people who are attending this festival over the weekend. And um, so the population of the town increases dramatically. And so just, I guess, trying to find two people in a massive crowd, um, whether they're dressed up or not. But then, you know, if we were going to get dressed up, um, which was, I guess, part of the plan if we were hanging around <laughs> and not uh, falling flat on my face. <laughs> um <laughs> But also just kind of getting that, you know, energy back from the community and um, I think, you know, we were both pretty tired at that stage. So while it was on one hand, some people might look at it and say, well, that, that was pretty stupid, you know, you, you're going to a place that you always go and that's so predictable and the hunters, of course, they're going to catch you there. Um, that if we had have pulled it off, um, it would have, I reckon, really given us a boost um, to get to the end. Um, and, yeah, make it to the chopper. I think that's a fair point there, because when you've, like, been on the run for so long and it has just been the two of you, well, the two of you in the camera first. Yeah. Talk about that in a bit. Um, but when it is literally such a small knit, sometimes you, and you are used to big crowds and big people, you do need that. So it does give you that little boost. And the timing of it towards the end as well, yeah, it's risky because, you know, there are statistically less people in the game, therefore more hunts available to chase you and to look for you, but also being so close to extraction, do you need that little bit yeah. of confidence these days? Yeah. Little, you can cut the arse if you like, just to get you over that final hurdle. Um, but that final hurdle was one where, unfortunately for you, Matt, you did uh, trip foot. Um, so <laughs> the, the hurdle got in the way. <laughs> I know. Tr trigger warning, we're going to come to it in a second, but Staffy, I'm going to come to you first. Obviously, the liaison um, with Dean and things like that, um, it all went a little bit wrong for Staffy, but what type, at what point did you, Staffy, realise that things might not quite work out the way that you'd uh, planned for it to happen? The reality is plans never worked out exactly how we thought they would. Even the ones that ended up working out well, they never worked out exactly the way we thought they would. So you had to remain a little bit dynamic and have that plan C. D, E, F, Golf, Hotel, India. I know the phonetic <laughs> alphabet too. <laughs> um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that day we had arranged to meet Dean at a specific location. I 
we all know that things get left out of the edit. My biggest disappointment is Avery's um, family name was left out and he gave no context to my drag name. Oh, <laughs> you need to share it then. This is your opportunity to tell <laughs> the world and the 10 people that listen to this podcast. It's more than that. You know what I mean? Your family name is Goodlay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and and that, that was Penny. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um, obviously, we're going to stay with you for a second, Daffy, because it's time to talk capture. Um, obviously, we see one of you go and uh, try and get a message to Dean to bring him towards you to sort of get things moving moving and things like that. But when you saw um, the hunters chasing after Matt Staffy, what at that point was going through your head other than the word fuck? I, I completely was losing my shit, deer in the headlights. I heard it before I saw it and I could hear the screaming and I was like, what the fuck's happening? And then next minute, it's just Matt running down the street. And that moment, it was like complete deer in the headlight, but I knew I just had to bolt in the opposite direction because another thing Matt and I had done, anytime we engage with risk, we halved that risk by splitting, whether that was across the road or one person going to the supermarket to buy stuff. Any engagement with risk, we minimised it by splitting it. And we had said that if we split or if anything goes pear-shaped, meet at X at 530 so even though I saw Matt bolting and the hunters chasing him, I basically ran in the opposite direction towards our X point at 5.30. Because there are people who have outrun the hunters, and I think if Matt had his runners on that day and it wasn't downhill, <laughs> he, he's got a good chance too. So my first thing was, fuck, did Matt just get caught, but also get the fuck out of here and um, first go to our X point. And then when I got to our X point and there was no mat inside, I knew I just had to get as far away as possible from Dalesford. And no one was helping me. Middle of a festival where everyone was intoxicated so no one could drive. When I was running up to people, asking them for help, they thought I was on something. And it was just, yeah, it was not a good moment. I mean, to be fair, the clip that they showed where you were like, you actually managed to, to, to get help. I don't know how many people you'd asked at this point, but I think on screen it was the third. But you were talking at oh. like a, a million miles an hour, and you're like, can you really help me? And then he got caught, and I need help. Can you get me out of here? Can you run me? <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> the, other thing, the, the caveat here that you need to remember is not only had we never done Hunted in Australia, we hadn't seen the UK version on Prime Prime in Australia. 99.999% of Australian population had no fucking idea what Hunted was. So when we were doing this, people were like, hell no, we ain't going to help you. Like, fuck off. We got so many, like, yeah, the, um, negative interactions. But the seasons following from us, season two, three and onwards, there's... It was the highest rated new show last year. So there's a lot of interest in Hunter this year. I can't wait to see it, to see the reception of the public and how they engage with the fugitives because I suspect, A, more people are going to want to help and, B, more people are going to try to wrap them out because they know that will create a TV moment and give them their three seconds of fame. But we yeah. didn't have that luxury. We, 
we were just begging, begging randoms. That's fair. I think that's something we need yeah. to go down to talk about next, in our next episode, yeah. to be fair. Uh, because in the UK version, there is a lot more of people, because the hunters, naturally for information, do offer a capture award if it needs to, to a capture uh, and things like that. But there is also that trying to create a TV moment and people just sort of getting the five seconds of fame. So there is a lot more in the UK as the, se- the series has gone on of people ringing up the hunters and, and helping the hunters out. So as the, those series goes on, those fugitives who do it in Australia are going to find it um, really, really, really tougher. So you guys have seen it in the first season. And even though it, you know they found you, you found the rejection there, that actually might not have been a bad thing in the end because um, you're going to get rejected, but that's where it ends. Whereas people in the UK at this point, after six series, will get rejected, but then the hun- there'll be a phone call to the hunters and the yeah. hunters are on you. So rather than it being a, a yo-yo effect, a domino effect, if you like, it just stops. So actually, even though it was hard to take at the time, it was probably hindsight, one of the best things which could have happened. Right, I've put it off for long enough. I'm going to let you be the one that asked him the question and triggered the PTSD. Oh, I'm really sorry that I'm the one who has to do this. <laughs> um, Matt, you, sadly, you got captured. I did. <laughs> Obviously, we, we, saw, we saw you fall over. Um, but it's sort of after the capture that we want to know more about because we don't get to see that. So once you're captured, what then happens? Um, so after I got captured, um, they went through all the stuff I had on me. <laughs> um, I had to even take my shoes off on the street. <laughs> <laughs> They were checking inside my socks and my shoes and um, my pockets and, and all that kind of stuff. Did one of them get a about and say bend over? Sorry? Yeah. <laughs> Matt wishes. <laughs> Usually they have to buy me a drink first. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, after that, um, they had HQ on the phone, um, and they were asking me questions about where Starthy was going or where he'll be. And they were trying to offer me some money, (laughs) um, to, to rat him out, (laughs) um, which obviously I wasn't going to do. (laughs) Um, there was one scenario we pre-discussed where you would rat me out. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Say it. The only scenario we both agreed would, would work for both of us. And there was only, so only, we're not only if it, <laughs> Yeah, we're 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 smart. If they were gonna offer me more money than the prize money yeah. then I would have ratted him out. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the event is I mean, mathematically we're trying to work this out. So if everybody, I mean, it would, it would never happen because of the way of the game, but what were the 18 futures at the start? Yeah. So 18 divided by 100, if everybody would have won. I, don't, I, don't, I, mean, I can't do those maths either, but um, if it had been more than that amount, then obviously you would take it, but statistically, I think you're looking at maybe three, four people max. I think we, the most we've had four, so you're looking at 25,000 so I don't think you'd ever offer you that. It'd be more like, oh, we'll give you give you a grand or whatever. Out of interest, what was it? Was it a grand? Was it a thousand? No, I was only thinking about 
uh, maybe three or four hundred dollars. <laughs> I said, nah, <laughs> that won't buy me my drinks for the rest of the weekend at Chill Out. It's more from an OnlyFans tap. Obviously, you're now out of the game at this point, and um, some we don't get to see what happens then. Obviously, you, you're driven off around the corner with the production team in the hunter's car, and you do all those interviews. But what happens after that? Are you just left to, to go, or do you go into some sort of aftercare or, or, or things like that to talk to the shows like medical team, psychologists, that sort of thing before you left? Yeah. No, so they they um they took me back um obviously because I had my injuries <laughs> from my uh, little trip, <laughs> um so I actually did quite a number on my elbow, <laughs> um and yeah so they took me back um and they put me up for a couple of nights um saw a doctor and all that kind of stuff um but yeah I couldn't have like my phone or my laptop or anything back um because I think they were still worried that I might be helping Staffy. So I was kind of really left in the dark um, and still kind of, I mean, you know, apart from the production team, um, I was pretty much on my own um, until Staffy was either caught or he won. <laughs> That's a good point, because imagine, like, if you're in a team, I've never actually thought about this. If Say we went on the run yep. and it was 21 days. Yeah. I got captured after, like, day four because I'm moaning because it's too hot. And, and you need to sit down. Yeah, and you somehow managed to make it like day 20. Am I then cut off from my phone, my laptop, the internet, all of that until you get caught? Yeah, probably, because you could help me. Yeah, that's, that is actually one thing you don't probably think about. So yeah. even though you're out of the game, you're actually still in the game. Yeah, you're still cut yeah. off. Weird, weird. Right, Stafford. Let's it was tough, I think, for Starfy because he was on his own trying to make it to the end, but uh, it was pretty tough for me just sitting there in this hotel room just, like, wondering what's happening too. <laughs> At what point did you did you know? Was it pretty much straight away as soon as, like, the clock hit zero, were you then told, or did you go to somewhere to meet? Or how was the reunion? What was the reunion? <laughs> I think there's a little video online somewhere. <laughs> on air um but yeah we, we yeah we um we actually didn't know well i didn't know um until uh basically staffy arrived back in melbourne so i think he had like a two or three hour drive back to melbourne after he got to the extraction point um so i didn't find out till pretty much that evening <laughs> it was the most nerve-wracking day <laughs> Imagine. Uh, well, we'll come to the reunion at the end because, Staffy, it's time to come to you now. So, Matt, we've had your sorrow, but from sorrow comes joy. Staffy, obviously, you made it to the chopper. You've got away from the hunters. Um, at what point are you starting to calm down? Is that adrenaline starting to uh, to ju just chill out so you know now that you've got to refocus and make it to the end, not just for you, but for Matt as well? The adrenaline was there right until the 11th. One thing I was nervous about watching it back, I'm actually going to capture like the emotions of that moment and down to a T because I, I was looking at my watch and there were two minutes to go. So I was like, fuck, I might not get caught. I'm also not going to make the extraction as we get caught. 
so at that point it was and that was one and i just picked the backpack and i'm bold. i see on my periphery people dream military-esque and i'm like i ain't even going to turn around to confirm if they are or aren't hunters saw the chopper i was in and even getting into that chopper like it was just it took took a little bit of time to sink in probably until we got in the car when we're driving back to melbourne i was like "Fuck, this is happening because i did my exit interview afterwards and i was like i just need a rosé to calm the nerves and they were like oh there's no bottle shop around here <laughs> hmm. um obviously Safi, once you've so matt's been caught you um then we see you get help from a stranger um we then see the point where you have to obviously make the call to find out where your extraction point is um and we see that you get help from john um and we then see in the show that john's (laughs) john tells the hunters um that he had helped you um did you did you how did you feel when you found out that he told them that he had helped you at the end of the day i made it to the chopper and we won season one of hunters so i'm happy everyone did everything they did because i'm so (laughs) believing in the butterfly effect and if the smallest thing was done differently it could have compromised the outcome and that's one thing we never would have wanted to do so um, even though Catherine fucked up with the codes, Dean fucked up with the timing, John <laughs> fucked up by ratting me out. Um, sorry, John, love you, even though I don't really know you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it all worked out. Like, and Matt and I, we, we're strategic, we're, we're thinkers, so we had planned in advance. And by the time we got to that point, I think we had spent $10 in two weeks. Wow. So we, we saved yeah. all our cash because we thought at the end, if we need to get in a taxi and drive four hours to get to extraction and pay $500 on a taxi, that's what we're going to drop our money on. If we go without eating for a few days and sleep under bridges and dumpster dive and get attacked by rats, just hypothetically speaking, if this were to eventuate, we were happy with it because we needed to preserve our cash and our moolah to get into that taxi and get to extraction. That's a good point. I think the last thing I'd want to do is get to you know, 24 hours before, and they tell you the extraction point, and it's the complete opposite end of where you are, and literally the only, if you've not got cash to pay for a ride, the only thing you're going to have to do then is rely on either public transport on, or, because you've yeah. got no money, someone giving you a lift, yeah. which just increases the possibility of being ratted out. So actually, it's a really good thing to do to, um, to keep that cash in reserve. Mm. I think another- At that point, the extraction point was about four hours away from where I was. And one thing John did do was he ordered a taxi and GPS to to have an automatic drop-off in the opposite direction. And when I got in the taxi, that electronic trip kept going, but the taxi driver was going in the opposite direction. So when John gave his phone to the hunter saying, yeah, I helped him, they would have seen the Google, Uber, whatever app he used, and it would have shown that the trip was booked in the opposite direction and the taxi was actually heading in the direction of extraction. So, yeah, even though it was risky and there were things that were compromised, we still try to make make the best of a shitty situation. Yeah, absolutely. And then towards the, the very, very end, obviously, 
Um, you didn't have your partner in crime to sort of split up and do the, the eyes and watch out, but you did manage to uh, convince some locals to help you, including who we can only call Bike Lady, because we didn't get a name uh, at the end, who would cycle on 100 yards ahead or whatever, give you the big thumbs up to let you know that you could uh, progress on. Uh, obviously, you didn't know until you watched it back that John had ratted you, ratted you out, but did you know, um, before you watched it back, that actually Bike Lady was uh, on her bike, stood on the beach, watching you run towards the chopper? I just lost the last 15 seconds. Sorry, oh, I'm going to have to ask you, right. Peter. So, bike, bike Lady, did you know that she was actually with, watching on the beach you'd run to the helicopter? The last moment I lost Bike Lady was when I picked my bag. She helped me up until that point. She was legitimately our angel, our Japanese angel, who they, I've loved Harry Potter all my life, and she gave me an invisibility cloak because she was cycling, coming back and telling me it's safe to go, literally up until 200, 300 metres away from extraction. But right at the last moment, I think it was about five minutes to one, I said, go to the last corner and find out if there's, you know, hunters around, which is what she was doing. And she goes to the corner and comes back and she goes, I see people there in uniforms. I think they might be hunters. And I said, well, can you go and approach one of them, pretend you're a Japanese tourist and ask them where the post office is? So she goes, she goes and she comes back and she goes, they don't know anything about this town. I'm like, fuck, that's a hunter. Clearly that's not a local. So that's where I was like, well, fuck it. I'm not going in that direction. I'm picking my bag, bolting up the hill and around. And that's when I wrapped around the opposite side of the block. Those hunters started running from that end. And then I wasn't looking for my angel. I wasn't looking for directions. It was two minutes to go. I was like, I'm just going to run and trust my legs. Such a sweet moment when we saw that there because, you know, she wanted to make sure you were safe and that you got on the, the plane, which was absolutely that's really great. Sweet. We've had it in the UK version as well where... Uh, you know, people, especially towards the end, have watched and uh, helped out and like reassured people that they're going to be okay. Those moments uh, are great. But yeah. you did make it across the beach. You did. Um, and yeah. onto the helicopter. Yes. And obviously, when you get on, Rob is already on there. How did you feel? Because obviously, it was incredibly close from how we see it. How did you feel when that helicopter took off and you knew that you were safe and you'd won? I felt poorer because I lost 50 grand. <laughs> Who's going to say that? Who's going to say that? <laughs> no, I'm joking. I absolutely love I would, And we said it from the beginning. The one thing that differentiates Hunted from any other show is you're not competing with any other contestant. If at the end of the day, 18 of us got in there and we were all sitting on each other's laps in the chopper and we all won four grand each, what a fucking amazing experience. Like 25 grand is amazing and it's put me 25 grand closer towards being a dad and progressing surrogacy, but it's also not changing my life. The same way four grand wouldn't have really completely changed my life. So if it was winning four grand with 18 others and having 18 people outsmart the fugitives, how bloody amazing. There were a few people I thought I'd see there and a few people that I hoped I'd see there that I didn't. But at the end of the day, really, really happy that I saw Rob and Rob got there and Rob and Jake got to share the 100 grand with us. I mean, technically, you know, you didn't win 25 grand, you won 50 because somebody wasn't on the chopper, was he? So you could have kept all of that. What made you, Staffy, want to split that, that money? Because 
I guess by the rules, you don't have to. You could have turned around and gone, well, do you know what? It's been great being friends, but I've now got $50,000, so fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, the main, the main thing that made me want to split the money is I loved the idea of withdrawing 25 grand in coins and wheeling them across to Matt's apartment. <laughs> <laughs> you laugh, but it was actually done. <laughs> Matt, got, Matt got his money in cash. <laughs> Matt, how did you feel when, you know, um, you brought over the wheelbarrows, I imagine, of uh, <laughs> the most common denominator coin you can, you can have? At first, I was kind of like, "What's what's happening? What's this?" <laughs> it's like it's it's your share of the prize money. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, um, thanks." Matt <laughs> went to ATMs for like, the next year, just depositing. <laughs> I was gonna say, and then I spent yeah the next few weeks putting it back in the bank. <laughs> I think the, the other thing people don't realise is I can't hold my hand on my heart and say that I would have got to the end and won hunted if I didn't have Matt with me for 99.9% .9 of the time. Like the reason I got there was because of the things we did together. So it's very easy. It's, there wasn't an, even any consideration. The only reason I got to win is be, the only reason I got to the chopper was because of the things that Matt and I had done together. He was the sacrificial lamb. And when we go back, on all stars, I'll be the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant, uh, Matt! Would you have uh, would you have done the same? Not split the money, obviously. I think that's that's a given that you would have done that. Your friendship is obviously so clear. Um, yeah. Would you have done the same? Would you have taken it out of the lowest common denominator coin and passed uh, <laughs> it off, or, or would you have just gone here as a bank transfer? He probably just would have got a bank transfer, but. <laughs> I guess it's 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 nice to be able to um un unwrap a gift. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Talking, talking of a gift, obviously you've been you've had this phenomenal experience together. Um, you've split up at the like the very last day, which would have been really heartbreaking and difficult to both take mentally. You mentioned obviously Matt that you were holed up in a, a hotel until the end, and then obviously the long drive from extraction point back to CBD. Talk us through, Matt, from your perspective, that reunion moment. When you first see Starfleet and you, you first reunite after um, what would have been a whirlwind 24, 25, 26 hours. I think um, it was just elation. <laughs> it was so good to be able to see him again and just um, know that he made it to the end, know that, you know, all of our efforts um, weren't wasted, <laughs> um, you know, because you kind of get in your head a little bit once you've been caught. It's like, oh, we're so close um, to the finish line. Um, but to, to know that we did as a team um, to get there, it was just, yeah, a, an awesome feeling. And just to know that, you know, he was safe and, and back with us. Snappy, <laughs> what about from your perspective? Did you tell him you'd won straight away or did you try and be a little bit quick? Ah, oh, the caught me right at the end. Well, it's funny you say that because every single person in my life knew that I was missing for about a month. So they suspected I got very close to the end. So what I told everyone was that I made it to the final day and I got caught two metres before extraction. 
So Matt and I did this amazing, <laughs> massive viewing party for the finale. There were like 200 of our closest mates there. And you can see the reactions on our Instagram. They all were like, okay, this is the moment Starfy gets caught. This is the moment Starfy gets caught. Everyone <laughs> believed that that was happening. The only person who knew the truth was Matt because obviously he he had um, 25 grand to spend. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, us over here in the UK are only just seeing it, but how long after you filmed it did it show on TV in Australia? How long did you have to wait for it to go onto TV? like 100 years <laughs> <laughs> it really did i think that there was a little while like obviously with the post-production stuff they've got so much footage and stuff to to edit together and and go through like you know you're being filmed for, for 21 days and that's just you know one team you've got multiple teams and everything else so um the yeah production team in the industry they would have thousands of hours to condense into nine, if even. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about that um, scheme then for a minute. Because obviously, you know, there's you two together on the run. You're the fugitive. But of course, that footage, all of that journey can't be put on TV without um, the camera crew that are following you. How much of a close bond did you form with them? Because I don't know, it's different for you here in the UK. Every fugitive team has one crew which they would then that might be consistent of maybe three four people which literally sleep where they do um eat like they do try and stay hidden and don't give anything away what was your crew experience like well if you want the true answer to that let me ask them because we cohabitate they're just upstairs <laughs> 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 no, they're amazing. Like, obviously, you're in this pressure cooker environment, but both from our perspective, being the first series, but also they'd never filmed Hunted. Like, everyone on this show was, this was new territory. It was unlike anything anyone had done before. So, yes, you, you form close bonds because you're in this, um, this surreal environment, but we have nothing but respect for everyone that um, we work with. They they were inadvertently also like our psychological support. <laughs> we all became one big team, really. <laughs> yeah, I imagine it must be like as much euphoria for Dan because you become so close friends yeah. when you get to the end and get on the, uh, the chopper and, you know, reach that. And even when you get captured, I guess, as well, like you feel disappointed for them or, or whatever as well. So. Um, it's really I remember the moment the moment Matt was running down the street where I saw and I just froze. I turn around and I look at my cameraman and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> we had no idea what the fuck was happening. Like he was freaking out just as much as I was. And I almost like looked at him for a moment like, what do I do? What's happening? Uh, uh, is this real? Um, and... I just bolt, and then he was chasing me and um, obviously following me. But, um, yeah, very intense for us all. Oh, brilliant. Uh, we have one final question about the, the journey itself, and that is we've obviously spoke about your reunion. We've, we know from Matt that you just sort of get driven around the corner and do your interviews and then take you to a hotel. But, Staffy, surely when you are a winner, the chopper's got to do like a circle of, like, the sites to, to keep you up there for as long as possible. Does it, do you go on a bit of a journey or does it go off 
and land on the next beach. Well, I asked him to take me to Mykonos as a celebration, but apparently a chopper can't do that from Australia. <laughs> uh, he said, you're in the options of Geelong. I was like, can you at least chopper me back to the hotel so I don't have to drive three hours? But no, it was just up around enough time to look at the hunters and give them a little bit, see you later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I'm sure the, uh, the excited schoolboys in Bravo would have enjoyed that as well. Uh, we did every time someone trained to okay, so that's cool, boys. Brilliant. Uh, right, uh, we have two final questions for you. Um, one of which is a hunter's slash Harry Potter slash Ted Lasso related question. Ooh. We'll come to that in a minute. But we're not sure whether this is going to translate. No. Are we? No. Right. <laughs> so, this question started off as a joke, but now every time we speak to anyone, I end up asking it. Um, so we don't know whether it's going to translate very well, but or if we're going to know what, what yeah, the or if we're going to understand, we're going to know what your answers are. But this is my question: um, What is your favourite biscuit? <laughs> so what's yours? What's what's ours? Um, what's yours? Oh, I have lots of different ones, so I can't just pick one, but. My go-to is probably like a jammy dodger, so short shortcake, little bit of jam, shortcake, and a little heart. It has like a little heart on top. Mine, okay. mine would be um, a chocolate bourbon, so chocolate biscuit, chocolate cream, chocolate biscuit. Okay. Oh, I've got to think now. <laughs> Mine's Twix. It's a biscuit that has a scotch finger and a little bit of caramel and it's oh, yeah. dipped in chocolate. Love a Twix. Love a Twix. <laughs> yeah. we, we, I we, think... we classify that as more of a chocolate bar than a biscuit. <laughs> or, or, or let it slide. Let it slide. Um, maybe, uh, so we've got um, a, a pack here called um, Assorted Creams. And there's the Kingston in the assorted creams. So it's like it's like a coconut almost um, biscuit with like a chocolate icing in between. And that's dairy intolerance, so that's saying a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I might, have to, uh, might have to have a little look. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm going to come to my final question. One there. I've just thought of uh, another one which I want to to. Obviously, you know, you guys have watched the UK version. You sort of mentioned that you want to do like an all-stars version in Australia, want to do loads of people on it and things. Would you ever do, um, like, so uh, a combination between the two where there was yes. a UK and an Australian version? And would you do it in the UK? Ooh. So you can't do it in Australia. You've got to do it in, on, on the UK, in the UK. How do you think it's fair in the UK? I love it. I think I would go to Liverpool with Ted Lasso's film. <laughs> is this where Mr. Lasso is? <laughs> I mean, if you, you have a strip on the Barbie. If, if, if you did go to Liverpool and ask, is this where Ted Lasso's film? They'd turn around and say, hey, mate, no, you're in the wrong fucking city. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's actually London, mate. It's all right, gay. Okay. yeah, I'm from London. London, <laughs> <laughs> I reckon. I reckon we give it a go. I, I reckon. 
It, it'd be pretty difficult, though, I think, because, you know, we were talking about even, you know, we, we were kind of lucky because Hunted Australia was filmed in Melbourne and we're from Melbourne, so we kind of had a slight advantage maybe even over some of the other contestants in that we knew the city. Um, so when we were, you know, kind of getting out on that first day, we, we knew where we were going. Um, whereas, you know, if some of the other contestants who were coming from Perth or from Brisbane or Sydney or, you know, other, other locations that, um, yeah, that, that maybe they wouldn't have as, as good an idea. And I think that would be the same for us that if we were <laughs> to head over to the UK for a UK season that <laughs> we'd, um, yeah, definitely have to rely on some paper maps. <laughs> Maybe that's it though, maybe it is old style hunters because you are in somewhere which you don't know, you're in a location, you've got no contact, you've got, maybe that's what they should do, they should film the UK version in Australia and vice versa because you're not then reaching out to your network, yeah. you are literally relying on you know, your own knowledge and map reading and the power of the public, maybe we need to get in front of the producers. Anyway, it is final question time, um, so Nat always asks the biscuit question, I always pull it back to hunters. Now, in the, UK, in the UK, when we spoke to people in the UK, we've asked them to form their ultimate hunted team, which is basically, um, it's you, one person from head office, one person from the ground team, and one fellow fugitive to form an awesome foursome. But you've only had one season in Australia, so we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're going to ask you both separately, and um, you can't choose each other. Here is the team which we'd like you to assemble. So it will be you, one character from Harry Potter, because Safi, you said that you, you're a big Harry Potter fan, um, one character from Ted Lasso, and then we'll keep it hunted, one either fugitive from your season or member of the hunted team. So um, we'll go first, based on those parallels, just to give you some thinking time, so I can see you both like scratching your beards and wrapping your brains trying to think about it. <laughs> Mine would be from a hunted team in Australia. I'm going to have to pick Ben because they need to stick close to our roots. Is a, a UK OG, got to be Ben. Because um, then we can talk about the Australian series, we can talk about the UK series, and he's got knowledge. So I'm playing safe and going Ben Owen. Um, from Harry Potter, I've got to go with my fellow Ginger. Ron Weasley, because you would not let me go on the run with Hermione. Oh no! Um, so I'm going Ron, Ron Weasley. From Ted Lasso, I think I'm going to have to choose uh, next on it. I'm going Roy Kent. Fuck! I'm going Roy Kent. It's got to be a big bad Roy Kent. Cause it, Fuck no! Because it is, it is literally here, there, every fucking way. So I'm going uh, Ron Weasley, Ben Owen, and uh, Roy Kent. Oh, is it my go? Yeah, I'm going Hermione, because I'm allowed to go on the run with that. See, right, it was <laughs> then I'm stuck. Then I'm stuck between Roy and boss-ass bitch Rebecca. Oh, yeah. So I think I'm going to go boss-ass bitch Rebecca. So me, Hermione, boss-ass bitch Rebecca, um, and Ben. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's, both, that's my choice. We've both gone for the token Brit. Yeah, token Brit. That's my choice. Uh, Matt, I'm going to come to you next. Um, I'm going to go Rebecca too from Ted Lasso. <laughs> um, I think who from Harry Potter? <sighs> hmm. 
maybe Professor McGonagall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good choice. Yeah. Uh. Well, that's the main three. I like it. Good choice. A little, little bit random. but um, And from our season, um, who would I like to take along for the ride? Um, I reckon I'd take Sunny Joe. Oh, interesting. Oh, okay. Sunny, Sunny Joe and Grace had quite a few outfit changes and different costumes and, you know, different personas. Um, I reckon he'd uh, definitely help keep us hidden. Good choice. Right, uh, Stuffy, it's over to you then. You've got to assemble your winning foursome. I would go... Um, Dumbledore because I have daddy issues. <laughs> from Ted Lasso, I'd, I'd go as you need a sacrificial low. He would be a nice decoy and I'd just chop him. And then from Hunter I would our drag Queen friend from Chile. The is just and would be out on the run. Uh, okay. I, I'm, shall I allow it, or should I stick by the rules and say it's got to be a few tomorrow? Uh, a <laughs> oh, right. If we go Hunter, then I'll take Luke because he's the other ginger beard who almost caught me on the on the sand. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, one of the excited, excited so yeah. I like it. There we Luke. go. That's a good team. I think it's a good team. Thank I, you. I, I actually genuinely think those four different teams would they It'd be would a good team. Fight. Brilliant stuff. Uh, right, that's almost all we've got time for. Guys, thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, finally, um, just give us your final reflections on your experience. How, obviously, other than the financial boost which has given you and, uh, and, uh, and that sort of thing, how has the Hunted experience changed your life? Safdie, I'll come to you first. Oh, Matt and I are going to be the biggest hunted advocates until we're 100. So you've got us for the next two years. We are happy to chat all things hunted. <laughs> it was just so, so good to be part of the freshman season of a show that is so timely. Um, and especially from the gay perspective, being able to represent our queer community and the gays have always rightfully been represented in the creative space and excelling in the creatives, but rarely do you see the gays represented in strategy and gameplay and excelling and ex and doing well. So we weren't just the token gays, we smashed it out of the park. And Hunter's also a show with a lot of hetero alpha male type personalities. So the opportunity to represent our community and excel and smash it out of the park with my best mate was, I, speechless still. Yeah, I think, yeah, it was just, it was such a memorable experience. I think we both learned a lot um, about ourselves even throughout the process. Um, just, you know, knowing and learning how to ask for help. Um, and, you know, even if you're approaching strangers and, and things like that, um, I think that that was um, a big lesson that I learned um, while, while we were filming. 
Um, and, you know, it's just another amazing, memorable experience to have with your bestie. <laughs> it was great. Oh, it's, it's been an uh, honour watching you. It's been really interesting watching your journey and seeing how you've gone. Stati, we wish you obviously all the best in the surrogacy journey and all of that. I'm sure you're going to have a fantastic life ahead of you. And no doubt, when season two does drop in a year's time, probably here in the yeah. UK, um, we'll have to get you back on and get you to sort of be our Australian counterparts and, uh, you know, and, and join us for a review <laughs> of Hunted uh, Australia season two. I'm guessing by now you've seen the trailers and everything that's uh, that's gone out. Uh, what, yeah. what have you thought just... Uh, just quickly on uh, the trailers that you've seen. Are you excited for it or are you gutted not to be part of it? Apparently the new fugitives are smarter and hungrier than us. It's a good way of looking at it. <laughs> I found it interesting to um, see a gentleman I was previously romantically involved with on Hunted Season 2. So... <laughs> and that's saying a lot. I've only, I've only ever dated three guys in my life. <laughs> wow, there you go. <laughs> the gays are continuing to represent, and I have every bit of faith he's going to smash it out of the park. Oh, could, could we potentially see uh, a former winner being contacted for help? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, <laughs> no words. Uh, guys, obviously, if people have followed your journey and things like that, you mentioned earlier that you posted on your socials probably a year ago now, all those videos and stuff and behind the scenes of content. Give your socials a little shout out for us. If people want to follow you that's been listening to this and thought, I want to find out more about these two, watch your social medias for people to give you a little follow. Uh, on Instagram, I'm uh, the search for Wonderland. And Staffy? I am Ginger Staffy on Instagram and Twitter, and I am Maddie1886 on OnlyFans. The worst. Absolutely the worst. Oh dear. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to, to both of you. If you've enjoyed watching and listening to this episode and you want to hear more about Haunted Australia, make sure you join us next week as we do our full on, like no hold barred comparison review. And if you want to shout out your comments or send us something on social media, here is how uh, Twitter, we're at Hunted Pod, Instagram, at Hunted Pod, Facebook, Hunted Pod. Threads at HuntedPod or email HuntedPod at Outlook.com And as always, if you want me to email make sure you actually say Yeah. Uh, right, Staffy, Matt, uh, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate the little uh, glitches and my bad math for the time difference as well. Appreciate you sticking around as well. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening. Enjoy watching Hunted Season 2. But trigger warning, Staffy, Matt, your time on the pod is over. You have oh, been hunted. No. Goodbye. <laughs> There you go, Thank you. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.